Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 63, People in Power. Hi. Here we are. It's another week. It's another pod. It's another chance to chat and practice. If you'd like to support the chatting and the practicing that we do here on this show, best ways you can do so are by subscribing, rating, and or leaving a review on whatever your platform whatever platform you are using to listen. And if you feel called to share about this show via word of mouth, via social media, every action I just listed helps other people find the show, which is helpful to the work that I'm doing. So I appreciate that. And most of all, as I tell you every week, I appreciate that you are here. So let's get here. Let's do a little opening ritual to settle into this space together. Our traditional opening practice of singing the sound of Om one time. Om is the sound of consciousness. It's a Sanskrit word. Sanskrit is a vibrational language, meaning that uh, every syllable, every word is said to be a representation of energy. And the energy each word or syllable contains is a little more important than any literal translation of the word. So Om contains the energy of consciousness, the kind of pure open awareness that we're seeking to connect to when we get together on this podcast. So we're asking for awareness when we sing Om. You can join me in singing Om out loud or you can listen. And if you're coming along, you might get your body into a comfortable position. If it is safe, supportive, comfortable for you to do so right now, you could close your eyes. You never have to close your eyes. You could always take a soft gaze, looking down the tip of your nose or toward the floor. Then if it's available, you might take a breath in through your nose here. And we'll release that breath through the nose, making some space first. And then we'll take another breath in for one round of OM. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now we'll go into this week's discussion. So I've been thinking about power. Yesterday, I'm recording this on Thursday, November 10th. Uh, So yesterday was November 9th of 2022. Um, And yesterday was the day after an election, day after election day for the 2022 midterm election season. And my power went out. (laughs) I was already, I'd already been up for maybe 45 minutes and I would need to leave my house pretty soon so that I could go teach my Wednesday morning yoga class. And between my waking up and my leaving, the power at my house went out. And 
it was an interesting irony. I don't know if irony is the right word. It was an interesting, maybe it was a synchronicity. I'm not exactly sure what to call it, but it was certainly interesting because I, it, it asked me to think very explicitly uh, about power. And it's something that, that had already been on my mind, um, but it's almost like life only affirmed that this was the, the place for me to be putting some energy and some reflection, this idea of power. Because not only did I lose my power, my power, my electricity in my home, there's been an interesting dance with power in terms of uh, socio, our socio-political landscape, right? We just had these elections. And overall, as uh, you know, according to what I'm seeing, the analysis that I am uh, seeing as the days go by um, and as more time passes and we get more results from these midterm elections, if you are someone who values progressive policies, I have never made a secret that I am one of those people. So if you're like me and you value progressive policies, overall, these weren't bad elections, right? There is like, nationally, collectively, in the in the overall uh, sense of our our country and our uh, collective experience, there is reason to be thankful and to be hopeful. Um, historically, uh, midterm losses for uh, an incumbent president, especially for an incumbent Democratic president, as far as losing uh, party-held seats in Congress, have been pretty significant. Um, and I believe in this midterm election, um, this president, this administration, lost fewer seats than anyone at least since President Clinton. It might have might even go further back than that. But the losses were not anywhere near as severe as they have historically been for an incumbent president, especially a Democratic president. It's still unclear as to what the balance of power between our two political parties might look like in both houses of Congress. But overall, there, there were hopeful occurrences and there were some historic wins. We sent the first ever person in Generation Z to Congress from Florida. Massachusetts elected the first openly lesbian governor in U.S. history. Dr. Oz is not going to the U.S. Senate. So overall, in a collective sense, there is reason to be hopeful. There is um, good on the horizon. And at the same time, I am from the state of Georgia. And I really, really wanted Governor Stacey Abrams. Uh, I believe in her as an organizer. I believe in her as a progressive. Um, I believe in her genuine care, compassion, fire, and drive for real people, real people's needs. Um, she's an advocate for public education. She is an advocate for uh, reproductive freedom and health care. She is an advocate for civil rights. And she would have been a, she would have also made history had she won. She's already made history in other ways that may not be recognized by our mainstream systems, but it would have been a historical win. And we didn't do it. We didn't pull it off for Stacey. And uh, I'll name clearly that is largely uh, due to the voting choices of white folks like myself. 
Um, so there are, there are a lot of factors at play. Racism is one of them. And I just want to name that clearly. So we couldn't get it done for Stacey Abrams. We also had a pretty important, uh, Senate race and still do. It seems, um, uh, incumbent Senator and Democrat Raphael Warnock, uh, who we sent to the Senate in 2020, um, his seat, uh, was up and running against him was Herschel Walker and enough people voted for Herschel Walker that we now because of a law in Georgia, wherein um, in Georgia politics, wherein if neither candidate gets more than 50 votes, even if one candidate gets more votes than the other, which Senator Warnock did, um, it triggers an automatic runoff. And that's what happened. Um, Raphael, uh, or, or Reverend Warnock, I should say, although my, my spiritual teacher, uh, who is a holy person, she's a yoga monk, she's taken to just saying the name Raphael, 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 over and over just to put some spiritual energy behind it. Um, but respectfully, Reverend Warnock got about 49.5% of the vote, whereas Herschel Walker got about 48.5%. But because neither of them got more than 50, we are headed to a runoff. <laughs> and so there is a lot happening in terms of power and elections down here in my state of Georgia. First of all, um, I feel really deflated and sad and angry um, about the, the loss of Stacey Abrams. I don't feel shocked by it, I'm not shocked um, that white folks have voted in the interest of white folks uh, toward um, conservatism and toward racism and toward, you know, a lack of social safety net, a lack of reproductive health care. I'm not shocked by that. I'm still saddened by it. At the same time, I feel energized because I know who Stacey Abrams is. She has spent the last four years after her first loss in the gubernatorial race, um, doing real organizing and grassroots leadership work from outside the system. And she has made real change. She is the reason that Joe Biden is the president of the United States uh, and that Senator Warnock got to the Senate in the first place, or at least one of the major ones. Um, so I know who she is. I know, and she has said as much uh, in her concession speech and always says that she will continue her work, whatever that looks like, and to make a difference. Um, so I feel energized by that. I still feel inspired by her. I will continue to be, and I feel energized by by the fact that, you know, even though it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to, the, the cause of, of progressivism, of equity, of, you know, social services and care for all is just, and I still believe that. So I do feel really galvanized alongside feeling pretty deflated by the fact that um, a lot of, of people in my state have sent a clear signal that they are not interested in those things. So there's that happening alongside the fact <laughs> that um, now we have to do it all again for four more weeks. Uh, the election season is not over for us. We will continue to be in the middle of campaigning, fundraising, um, and we will need to galvanize energy to get folks back to the polls um, if we want to get it done for Reverend Warnock, which... Again, I've made no secret about the fact that I am a progressive. Um, I hesitate to say Democrat just because I am aware of the flaws in our two-party system. I'm aware of the influence of money in politics uh, within both of our major parties. Uh, but I do believe in in. Uh, progress, right? I believe in progressivism. And right now, uh, Democrats 
in my state are the most progressive candidates. And so that's who I'm supporting. Um, so if we want to get it done for progressivism and for, for Raphael Warnock, which could decide uh, the balance of power in the Senate and the ability to pass progressive policies in the next two years, we got to galvanize. We got to get the energy back and we got to do this all again. <laughs> and so it's been complex as I process all of these things, simultaneously feeling some grief and some deflation over the loss of the candidate that I love and am inspired by for governor of my state, while also knowing I still need to keep my energy going and continue to do what I can um, to send uh, Reverend Warnock back to the Senate uh, to represent Georgians and to um, support the cause of progressivism nationally. So I'm kind of just like, ooh, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of nuance. It's a lot of uh, different and complex feelings sitting beside one another and it's all wrapped up in these reflections and these um just this this process that I've been going through with the concept of power so you know day after election day my power goes out and it just cements this idea that it's time to think about power and as you know if you've been listening to this podcast I think about things through the lens of yoga and spirituality, through the paths that I study and am dedicated to. And I've been thinking about what it means to have power through those lenses recently. What it means, especially when things don't go our way in the socio-political realm and it doesn't feel like we have power in the traditional sense and especially or particularly in the you know systemic structural sense what does it mean to have power in our communities right in Stacey Abrams concession speech she said that we're going to continue to fight for more for the state of Georgia whether we do it from the governor's mansion or from the streets so what does it mean to have power within our communities what does it mean to have power in our day-to-day -day experience of life and how we show up to life for ourselves and for others? What does it mean to have power, especially informed by the teachings of yoga and spirituality? These are the things that I have been reflecting on. And I've been teaching about it, right? I When these things come up, I usually, they usually inform my, the classes that I teach, the yoga classes that I teach. One, because that's one way for me to continue to process and because I know our experience is communal and collective. And if I'm moving through something, it's likely that the people around me are moving through something too. So if I'm sharing my process out loud and in real time, it could help. So I've been teaching about these things in yoga and reflecting on them and We've been doing a lot, like in my asana classes, in the physical movement classes that I teach, which is just one facet of this very multifaceted yoga and spiritual path. But in those classes, we've been doing a lot of like building heat. We've been moving with the breath, powering up the breath. We've been working in the belly and in yoga philosophy and energy philosophy, the belly is the home of our internal fire. It's associated with the element of fire and with the sun because it contains our digestive fire, the heat that helps us digest food and those strong, powerful core muscles, just like the sun is the core of the solar system or like the core of a battery, right? That's like our core, right? A lot less about abs, a lot more about empowerment and stability. So we've been working from the belly, powering up the breath, 
We've been opening the front of the body. A lot of what we've been doing in my recent classes is getting warm from that space of the belly and then using that warmth we've made to open up the heart. My last couple of classes have ended in Eustrasana, a camel pose. It's a kneeling heart opener. It's a backbend. And I've been sharing that with the people that come to my classes in terms of like, we've been working with empowerment today. Because from the beginning of class, I've been very explicit about the reflections I've been having around power, about the fact that the intention behind the practice I'm sharing is empowerment. So by the time we get to our heart opening, yeah, I share about the fact that we've been working with this empowerment and the idea is to warm, to warm up, to build this heat so that we have space to open the heart. And once we do our heart opener, we take a moment to sit still, both to kind of let everything settle and bring the spine back to center after a deep backbend, but also to give ourselves time and space to check in and to see what we feel. And something that I've been sharing is that You know, maybe the idea behind building all this heat through empowerment and then opening the heart with the warmth that we've built is just to make space for whatever it is that we're feeling, right? Because post heart opener might be feeling blissful. We might be feeling heartbroken. We might be feeling heavy or neutral. And I say out loud to the people that come to class, there's no right or wrong way to feel right now, but maybe the empowerment is that we've made all this warmth We've used it to open the heart. And now with that opening, maybe there is space to just contain and to feel whatever we feel. And that speaks to my understanding of what power means through the lens of yoga and spirituality. Power is not so much about a system or a structure, although systemic power matters, and I don't mean to suggest that it doesn't, but through and in this tradition, power is less about having the advantage. It's certainly not about force or domination. Instead, it's about lighting up the internal fire, the fire of the self, the fire of awareness, whatever you want to call it, but lighting up from the inside to warm and open the heart, almost like a stovetop under a pot of boiling water. That fire in the belly warms the heart. We use our power to open the heart more, to make space in the heart so that there is room for love, room for ourselves, room for each other. And directing power to the heart is my understanding of what it means to be empowered on a day-to-day basis and to bring power into our communities to be fired up from the inside so that there is so we have a lit up heart and so that love can flow from the heart and i say that knowing you know it's a lot more nuanced than just that right just like i am bringing the perspective of yoga and spirituality We need folks to be bringing perspectives of systemic inequity and um, empowerment of different marginalized groups. I don't mean to suggest it's just as simple as opening the heart, but this is my understanding of what power means from the yogic perspective. And that has led me to decide in the last couple days that I actually don't believe that elections and politics and political positions are about power. I don't believe that who wins the election is about power because 
in an ideal world, I know we don't live in that one. I'm not, I am not delusional, but ideally political, having a political position is about service. Winning an election is about being a servant, a public servant and helping. And the fact that we have made these elections about power, about who has the most power, who dominates, who has the advantage is a corruption of what you know, community care and organizing should actually be about. It's not actually about power. It's about service. So my solace in some of the grief and anger that I'm moving through in the way some things have gone in my state um, around power and around these midterm elections is that this is not actually about power, right? It should be about service, And the folks who are going to serve are still going to serve, right? My inspiration, you know, Stacey Abrams, she's going to continue to do her service work. She has vowed to. And, you know, folks who are are public servants are going to continue to try to, you know, amass, you know, political power in order to serve and rather than just to have power. There are people who are trying to amass political power for the sake of power, And then there are those who are continuing to try to amass political power for service. And that's who I will continue to stand behind. But these elections, these results, they are not actually about power. And they are not where our power comes from. Like Stacey Abrams said, from the Capitol or from the streets, there is power in community care. And as these political systems which were made by and for one type of privileged person you can look at the gubernatorial election results in my state if you want to find out what kind of person i'm talking about but as those systems continue to prove you know how broken they can truly be i will continue to you know invest energy and power outside of them in community care um there it was an amazing post by monica candida Kadina, she is sacred alchemist on Instagram about ways to invest in the health of your community um, in addition to or um, that aren't just voting. I would highly recommend you check it out. Um, and that's not to say like don't vote. It does matter to vote. I saw someone the other day um, on Instagram in in some comments kind of dissecting some of the things that have happened this election season say that voting is harm reduction. And harm reduction is a necessary concept, right? Um, especially for someone like me in the mental health field, uh, rather than uh, having to have everything be a be-all and end-all where things are great or things are terrible, we reduce harm wherever we can. And so for those of us who can vote, um, we have to do so as a harm reduction practice. And you know, it's becoming clear that these systems are made by and for one person and are broken. And just like Stacey Abrams has led outside of them for four years. And plus, I will continue to to look outside of the systems as well, while participating in them essentially for the sake of, you know, the most marginalized. But I feel pretty solid in this, this new insight and understanding that You know, these elections are not where our true power comes from. They are about service and that service matters. And choosing people to serve our communities still matters. Although it becomes increasingly difficult to do so with integrity in these broken systems, it still matters, but it's not about power. And it's not where our power comes from. 
especially if we're thinking about power through this yogic lens that I've been kind of chewing on over the last few days where power is about lighting the fire of awareness or you know the fire of compassion, the fire of equity and justice, whatever fire our brand of fire is, lighting that up to warm the heart and make more space for love, which I believe naturally lends itself to service, to organizing, and to genuine transformation. And as I think about what power truly means in terms of our political systems and in the aftermath of these elections, one quote that continues to come to my mind is this one. It's from Audre Lorde, who says, For the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us temporarily to beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. And when I think about the dynamics of this particular gubernatorial race in my state, that quote really hits me harder than it ever has. And I know it's, it's an indicator of privilege that I haven't ever had to be as impacted by a quote and a concept like this one uh, until now. But thinking about the racial dynamics and the gender dynamics and the historical systemic dynamics that are all at play in this election between uh, you know, a Southern conservative white man and a progressive black woman, it, it feels like there's no other lens to look at it through for me. But of course, this has been the struggle that it has. Because the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. These political systems that were built by white guys for white guys are not going to dismantle the structural inequities that are keeping someone like Stacey Abrams from amassing genuine political power. And she has done the work to make change from outside the system. I believe she will continue and I will continue to follow that lead. But again, you know, still participating in the system because, you know, marginalized people are impacted when we choose to opt out entirely. I don't think that's the answer. But I do think this refocusing of where does our power and our empowerment toward genuine change truly lie is necessary and it's happening, right? And nothing I'm saying is new or radical or revolutionary. I think I'm just processing out loud my own path toward coming to these understandings myself. But as that, you know, as that quote from Audre Lorde demonstrates, you know, People have been saying this, especially people of color, especially women, especially black women have been saying this, that the refocusing is necessary, that the tools that were created from and by and for inequity are never going to truly give us the power to abolish inequity. And so we have to find empowerment within ourselves, in our day-to-day lives, and in our communities if we want to bring out genuine, bring about genuine change. And even though there's been some deflation and some anger and some exhaustion and all kinds of other experiences around this particular election, I come away in the end after you know having do it, having done some reflection and some processing, feeling more energized and more empowered and more galvanized than ever than even before this particular loss of the Georgia governorship happened, because it only, for me, stands to prove the point that empowerment lies elsewhere, 
empowerment lies in our just causes and the ways that we organize and form community and center empowerment to bring about the the ends that we're seeking. And I feel more dedicated to that than ever. That's what I'm thinking about people and power <laughs> right now uh, here post-election and post-eclipse season. And now we get to put it into practice because one of the things, like one of the main takeaways from all of these reflections and analyses that I've been moving through over the last couple days is power has got to be embodied. It is not an external thing and I feel really aware that it, that's a, that's an easy rabbit hole to go down um, around like, you know, power is never external. So we can never trust anyone outside of ourselves and we can never trust politicians or the media. That is, I want to be clear, that's not at all what I'm saying. But I do believe that power in order to be genuine in those external arenas like politics and the media and community has to be embodied in a genuine, practiced, and lived way within each of us, lighting our internal fire and opening our hearts. And that's why we got to practice. So let's do it. This is the moment in the Awareness Offerings podcast where we shift from discussion to embodiment, from talking to practicing. So if you're not in a position where you can safely, comfortably get a little still for some meditative practice right now, this might be a good time to pause and return when you are. If you are coming along now, please find your way to a comfortable seated position and in the, through the lens of empowerment. And as always, that means that you get to sit however you need to in order to lengthen your spine, meaning you can be you know, cross-legged or not. You can be on a meditation cushion or a pillow or on a chair or on your bed. You can have support for your knees, for your back. Your arms and legs can be in any position as long as you can lengthen your spine, which is essentially the main power line for your physical, your nervous system, your energy body. So when there's space there, there's more space to kind of move the energy and, and generate power in different ways. So you find that long spine, but you do it in whatever way empowers you to be comfortable and settled. And as you find it, you might settle in by closing your eyes. Maybe by softening your gaze, looking down the tip of your nose or toward the floor. Just shifting your gaze from the external to the internal as a symbol of our seeking of embodied empowerment that then radiates outward to the external rather than the other way around. The external needing to give us power. No, we generate the power from within and we put it into practice in the external. So we go inward here and you might turn toward your breath as we do so. You don't have to do anything with the breath. You don't have to change it. My invitation is that you begin to observe it. You begin to notice the fact that you are indeed inhaling and exhaling right now because the breath is in the moment. So it's a, it's a way, it's, a, it's an access point for you to begin to center your awareness within yourself in the moment. 
And of course, your mind might compete for your attention. This is natural. The human mind is made to be constantly on. And we don't necessarily have to force it to turn off. We just direct the power somewhere else. The mind doesn't have to have all the power. The moment and our experience of it is where we want to put our power. So whenever the thoughts come, you might just name that they're happening as a way of acknowledging rather than pushing away. You might say to yourself, I'm thinking. And then from that space of acknowledgement and awareness, you might have the power to recenter your focus on your breath or whatever is centering you right now. And as you settle into your present moment experience, you might begin to work on some acknowledgement of whatever that is. Starting that work of empowerment by way of allowing space for how you are, not needing anything to be different. Acknowledging where there might be tiredness, heaviness, tension, where there might be balance, peace, goodness, acknowledging these things. There's no right or wrong way. But we begin to make space for them as an act of empowerment. Empowerment happens when there's space for everything and everyone. So beginning to engage with that concept by making space for every part of your experience simply through presence and acknowledgement here. And from this groundwork of presence that we have laid, we will now move into some pranayama, to some breath work. I'll invite you into a breath practice. You always, through your empowerment, get to decide whether it's a yes or a no. But this practice is kapalabhati. It's the breath of fire. It's a strong belly pumping breath. Again, the belly is the area in the body energetically associated with the element of fire. So by powering up the breath, we pump oxygen into the fire of the belly, lighting up that internal fire. And then we'll kind of go from there. We'll use that fire to make some space. So this breath is immense. So if it's a day where you feel like kind of resting more in a space of like, lower energy or you've got a heavy flow day going on blood pressure glaucoma um, or just if it feels too intense you can always opt out of this breath maybe you visualize your internal fire instead maybe you reflect on the things that light your fire there are many tools to light the fire if you're coming along the exhale does not sound dissimilar to blowing your nose it's like (laughs) And with that strong, sharp exhale, we squeeze at the abdomen, at the center, the belly. And so we press the air out kind of um, with a little bit of power there. So it's like (laughs) the inhale, however, 
is more effortless. It's a quarter breath in, it's a shorter inhale, and it almost begins to happen on its own. So the effort is going into that powerful exhale. The belly begins to pump like a wave, almost like And we go at a certain pace, or I will go at a certain pace. You can go faster, slower, or again, you can opt out. If you're coming along for Kapalabhati, the breath of fire, you might bring your left hand on top of the center of your chest, your right hand on top of your left, gentle cupping in the hands, heart holding mudra. Mudra is a yoga pose for the hands. So we bring acknowledgement and awareness to the heart because the belly is right underneath the heart. And again, like that stove top, we're trying to use the inner fire in the belly to light up, warm up, and open up the inner heart. So first we can take a spacious, thorough breath in through the nose here. And then let's release it all. Long exhale, starting to squeeze at your center, at your belly, to press out the air, to start to activate those muscles, to prep for this breath of fire. Then you might take a quarter of a breath in to begin. Your pace. Next exhale, we'll make it a long one again. You might squeeze from your center to press out the air, using that fire element to clear and open. And if, and only if your body says yes, consider pausing with the breath out. Just allowing yourself some time and space in that clarifying position after a fire breath. You've oxygenated a lot through that vigorous breath. So you probably have the oxygen. If you need to breathe, breathe. But if your body says yes, pausing in that non-breath. A moment of of pure potentiality. Then when it's time for you to inhale, gently bring the breath back in. And out. And just let your breath do whatever it does. As you come back to your presence, and begin to observe the effects of that fiery breath. You might feel kind of a a big sense of energy, like a buzzing vibration. It might be in your face or on your skin cells or in your belly itself. You might feel that heat that you pumped into your belly by moving it with some vigor. You might imagine it as a fire in your belly. You might in your mind's eye see your internal fire. And you might imagine the heat from those flames rising to the space just above your belly at the center of your chest, your inner heart, your spiritual heart, being warmed by the flame of your internal fire to open the heart, to make space for whatever is here for you, to make space for love and for yourself for the people around you. More space means more room, more equity for yourself and for others, which is authentic empowerment. Just breathing into the warmth of the fire and maybe the space it generates in your heart and observing how you experience that spacious and fired up heart here.
You might take another breath in in this space of observing and receiving the effects of your fiery practice. And as you release the breath, you might bring your thumbs to touch and swivel your palms around so that your palms now touch. And bringing your thumbs to the center of your chest, you might join me in pranam, heart centering. It's like a blessing for the heart. And in the yoga and spiritual tradition that I study, we do a lot of fire ceremony using sacred fire to burn away or to evoke blessings. So here it's like you throw your own blessings into this fire that you've lit at your heart. Blessings for what you need, for the world that you want, for the power that you will generate from the inside out. A breath in at the heart here and an exhale. And you can release your hands as you're ready and slowly begin to blink your eyes open making your way from fully internal back to some external, but you don't have to jump out of your internal awareness just yet. Your internal fire doesn't just go out because you open your eyes. And this is what it means to embody your empowerment, to generate that warmth and that awareness from the inside and use it in how you interact in your day-to-day, in how you are as a part of your community, And then these effects begin to generate a genuine power. Or at least, man, I sure hope so. May there be authentic power for all beings. May it be reflected in our structures someday. May it come from the true power of our hearts, our communities, and the way that we interact with the two. Swaha in Sanskrit, may it be so. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L A U R A T A R A on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>